Man, I love testimonies. Because God is just showing you what he can do for you. And that's even more reason why we should celebrate. Amen? All right, quickly, hold your Bible. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Today is our partnership Sunday. It's the fifth Sunday of the month. And uh, we are indeed going to be talking to you about God's kind of prosperity in the materials realm. How many of you know that God wants you to prosper in every sphere of life? How many of you know that God wants, to pro- wants you to prosper in your materials world? How many of you know that God wants you to prosper in your health? How many of you know that God wants you to prosper in your healing? Amen. I said amen. And I, I just want to tell you, man, God's prosperity is better than any kind of prosperity man can give to you. Amen. Just to reiterate, Sunday the 27th is our Thanksgiving uh, Sunday, and I want to encourage you and treat you to invite someone to church, and I want to invite you to come with your dancing shoes, amen? amen? And just give God praise like you've never done it before. Amen? amen. And while you at it, just, just think on the good things that the Lord has done for you in 2016. For some of you, you got married. Some of you got married and had children. Some of you bought houses. Some of you bought cars. Some of you started businesses. I mean, just so many things that happened this year. Some of you are still breathing. Amen? So if you were thinking, I might not fit into any of the categories, the fact that you're still here is good enough for you to come and say thank you, Jesus. So I want to invite you to come just ready to give God praise. Just come with a heart full of gratitude. Amen? Put your, put your dancing shoes. Set aside an offering just for God to say thank you. And focus all your thoughts on thanksgiving. Amen? And as you do it, I can guarantee you, God will even open more doors for you in your life. Amen? Are we good with the microphone? We good? You happy? All right, quickly, let us go to Genesis chapter number 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter number 2, verse 15. In Genesis chapter number 1 and Genesis chapter number 2, God creates everything and he shows us what I like to call his MO, his modus operandi, the way God functions. And the way God functions is this, is that he creates what you need before he creates you. Amen? So God created your sustenance before he created you. The Bible said he created everything that mankind were going to need. And then last, the crown jewel of his creation was man. And notice, when he created man, he put him in a garden. Not in a bush or in a desert. Amen? And when he brought him in a garden, here's what happened. Genesis chapter number 2. Uh, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The only thing man was supposed to do was to look after the garden. While the garden is looking after him. The only thing man was supposed to do was to stand in assignment and wake up every morning dressing it and keeping it. And the Bible records that the fruit or the trees that grew in the garden produced fruit in and of themselves. What does that mean? That means God has already created provision for you. Provision should not be an issue when it comes to God's children. Before he created you, he had already created everything that you will ever need that pertains to life and godliness. Amen? So he put him there and he said, take care of it. Verse 16. Let's go to verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may what? 
freely eat. God does not have a problem with you having uh, resources. He said, man, I created this for you. You may freely eat. You may freely spend it. Watch what happened. Next verse. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. The reason God put this tree also in the garden is very interesting. You know, I used to think, man, if God, if you didn't want Adam to eat from this tree, why did you put the tree in the garden? You could have put the tree in Mars, right? Or in another planet, in Jupiter. We don't even have to talk about the tree. Just put it elsewhere. You know, I have a little uh, uh, nine-month-old uh, a baby, and she started crawling. And, you know, the things I don't want her to touch, I don't even have to explain. I just take them and lock them up somewhere. So I was thinking, God, why did you put the tree in the garden if you didn't want the man to touch it? And God told me, he said, the reason I put the tree in the garden was because I wanted to constantly remind Adam that I am your source, not these trees. And the second reason was, I wanted to show Adam that it is out of my goodness that I have asked him not to partake of this tree. See, a lot of people look at it like, man, why, didn't, why doesn't God want me to touch that tree? Instead of, man, I'm so glad God let me have all these other trees. There could have been millions and millions and millions of trees that Adam was licensed to eat from and just this one, I mean, it's like if someone blesses you with 15 cars, right? And they give you a pulsar, because that's like 10%, less than 10%. That God said, don't touch. And someone gives you a city goal and say, hey, listen, you may drive the Bentley, you may drive the, the, the C-class, you may drive, but don't touch the city goal. Man, that's just good stuff, right? And I'll be like, this man is a good man. Don't, you, you know, you may drive the Bentley, you may drive the Aston Martin, don't touch the bicycle. I don't, I don't even want to touch the bicycle, amen? I'm just happy you gave me all these other 15 cars. That should have been Adam's attitude. But you know, when the devil came to tempt him, he tempted him, not on the tree. He tempted him to doubt the goodness of the Lord. And the reason why people fall in sin is because they doubt the goodness of the Lord. The reason people run around on their wives and their husbands is simply because people doubt the goodness of the Lord. They think that when God says, hey, listen, one man, one wife, stay together, you'll be happy forever after. They think that God is trying to keep something away from them. They look at it like, man, God is trying to keep some good time away from me. So I'm going to go out and do it. That's exactly what his attitude was. And when it comes to finances, when God says, take a portion of what you have and give it to me, people think, man, God is trying to trick me into uh, taking my money. No, that's not the attitude. The attitude is, man, God has even let me have all of, the, all of this. Amen? The attitude should be, do you know the difference between someone who's normal and someone who's a retard? <laughs> the difference between the true, uh, the doctors here can, can correct me if I'm wrong, is just a simple chemical imbalance. It's so minute that sometimes they don't even pick it in people who are retarded. And the reason why God keeps you normal is because God is good. The reason you are able to go out and produce is simply because God is good. And when God says, hey, give me some of that stuff, he's not trying to rob you. No, he's trying to keep you focused on the fact that he is still your source. And not only that, that he is still good. And that he is a good God. Amen? I said amen. So God's ammo for all of us is that he creates prosperity and prosperity is a grace amen so he creates without you even contributing he created the garden without adam being there and he comes over here and he wants you to take steps of faith so you can tap into that prosperity why because everything in the kingdom of god works by faith yeah. 
Amen. I said amen. amen. Everything in the kingdom of God works by faith. And when Adam committed the sin, he stepped out of faith into doubt. And the Bible says anything that is not of faith, including doubt, is sin. And because he stepped into sin, the Bible says he was kicked out of the garden and stepped into toil. Amen? He stepped into toil where now he had to uh, live off of the toil of his, the sweat of his brows. God never created man to sweat. Did you know that? Sweat began because Adam stepped out of faith into sin, into doubting. Doubting what, Pastor T? Doubting that God is good. Doubting the goodness of the Lord. And when Adam doubted the goodness of the Lord, when he, ste- he was kicked out of the garden, and he, everything that he partook now came through the natural progression of things. For us New Testament believers, a curse cannot stick. Amen? So you and I will never be cursed. You know, I know people like to teach on generational curses and stuff like that. Yes, but not for children of God. The Bible says we were redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen? Amen? And we inherit the blessing. But here's what you can do. When you step out of faith, you can reduce your experience in the kingdom to a natural progression of things. You will still be blessed, but when you step out of faith, you will reduce your experiences to that which is limited to nature. You will reduce your experiences to one plus one equals two. And there won't be any supernatural experiences in your life. But when you stay in faith, when you commit to faith, you step into what is called a supernatural increase. Let us go now to Genesis chapter number 22. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, before we even do that, let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 8. Just hunch your neighbor and tell them God has already provided. Tell them he's provided everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. How many of you know that faith does not move God? God is already moved by grace. Faith moves you to the place of grace. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 8. Watch what it says. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So here's what God does. God creates a realm of prosperity or a grace of prosperity. And he puts it over here. And he knows you are over here. And he gives you an instruction to take steps of faith so that you can tape into that grace of prosperity. Why does he do that? Because he wants you to act in faith. How many of you know that faith is a walk? We always say this at the end of the service, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith has to be acted. So God will go to Elijah and say, Elijah, I know there is a famine in the land. And I want you to do this. I've already commanded the ravens to feed you at the brook called Sherith. He says, I've already done it. So in other words, the ravens are already heaping up food for you. And he says, now I want you to go to the brook called Sherith and partake of the food that I've already supplied supernaturally. Why? Because God wants you to take steps of faith in obedience to tap into his grace. Romans chapter number 5 from verse 1 and 2. See, so grace alone does not save you. Did you see that? You are saved by grace through faith. What does that mean? That means grace is on God's side of the ledger. Faith is on your side of the ledger. Amen? The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal now if god gave his son for the whole world how come the whole world is not saved because the whole world is not acted in faith 
It is the few that choose to act in faith that receive and claim their salvation. Amen. Amen? So your faith is important. Hallelujah. Therefore, being justified by what? Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by what? I did not hear that. Faith gives you access to the grace of prosperity. You have access by faith into His grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The way you access every single grace in the Word of God is through faith. Or it is through acting on what you know. You have to act it out. You have to believe in your heart, speak with your mouth. You have to act it out. When it comes to prosperity, you have to give. And it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running. Man, I wish I could preach it differently. But the Bible is clear from Genesis all the way to Revelations that stingy people never prosper. It's as simple as that. You know why? Because you can't receive with a closed fist. Let's go to Proverbs chapter number 3. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs chapter number 11 from verse 24 to 25 in the King James Bible. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25. We're going to read it in the King James Bible and then we're going to read it in the Message Bible. I want you to pay attention. Watch what it says. There is he that scattereth. Scattering means giving. Yet increases. How many of you believe the Bible is the absolute truth? Just lift your hand. If you believe the Bible is the absolute you, you believe uh, nothing else is more true than the Bible? You believe that the Bible is the final authority? What the Bible says, that's it? Okay, let's read this scripture. Now that you believe that, I want you to pay attention to this scripture. There is he that cuttereth, yet increaseth. And there is he that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Next verse. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Give it to me in the message. Message Bible, 24 and 25. The one... The world of the generous gets what? I did not hear that. You still believe in the Bible? Generous people grow bigger. This is what the Bible is saying. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets what? So the principle of the word is if God can get it through you, he will give it to you. You know why? Because God does not want you to start chasing the blessing and not the blesser. I'm talking about the real blesser, amen? The only blesser, yeah. See, God's principle is as one hand receives, the other hand gives, and as the stuff flows through, there will be plenty for you. The reason God gives you money, if you don't get anything else today, get this. The reason God gives you money is so that you can touch people's lives. Full stop. The reason God gives you money is not so that you can indulge every last one of your desires. If you give an offering so you can give a, get a bigger harvest to drive a Lamborghini, you will never drive that Lamborghini. But if you give an offering so you can get a bigger harvest, so you can give more and do more in your community, God will give you more. Man, if you have a heart that you want to send 40,000 kids to school, to college, and pay for it, God will make sure that the resources find you. The Bible says he ministers seed to the what? To the sower. God gives money to people who give it. See, but if your mindset is to have a 
19 bedroom house with 20 bathrooms. I mean, how many bathrooms do you need to take care of business? <laughs> Amen. I mean, if, if your mindset is just to get more and more and more for yourself. In fact, let me tell you something else. How many of you know that no one has ever taken money with them to the grave? The only money that will make sense in the afterlife is the money you use to change and touch people's lives. This will minister to husband and wives. The reason God gives you money is not so that you can go crazy and start cheating on your wife or your husband. It is so you can start blessing them even more. That's why God gives you money. It is so you can minister to each other. That's what money is for. Money is to just touch people's lives. Amen? And that's, that's our belief in this church. You know, I live a, a very modest life. I'm, I, I, you know, I thank God he delivered me from the materialistic world. You know, I, I'm not materialistic at all. I, I, I just got a new cell phone. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Because the one I had, had stopped working. And that's the reason why I got the new cell phone. My old phone was the Samsung S long ago. <laughs> it was an old phone. But as long as it worked, I didn't need to get a new phone. But some people think the reason God gives them money is so they can keep up with the Kardashians. <laughs> man, you want the latest weave, you want the, man, you want the latest shoes, you want the latest car, the latest cell phone. That's not the reason why God blesses you with money. The reason why God gives money is so we can touch people's lives. And when you start touching people's lives, God will even give you more money. Because he knows money is not going to be your your God. Amen. amen? I said amen. Let's read it in the message Bible. What did he say? The one who blesses others in abundantly is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Let us go quickly to Genesis chapter number 22 from verse 1 to 14. Thank you, Jesus. See, faith in the area of giving, offerings, and tithes, and so on and so forth, gives you access to supernatural increase. Amen? Amen. And not only that, it gives you access to, to a supernatural wisdom that will help you govern the money that you have. Amen. And not only that, it will uh, give you access to a supernatural protection for the resources you have. You won't have to fix your car all the time. I don't even remember when last I fixed my car. You won't have to fix your geezer all the time. Amen? You won't have to fix broken things all the time. You know why? Because you have access to the supernatural protection of God. Why? Because you've trusted that He is your source. Hallelujah! Here, here are a few graces that are are accessible to those who are faithful and act in faith in, in the area of their finances. Give me Psalm 75, 6 to 7. How many of you would like promotion? Yeah. Let me show you where promotion comes from. Psalm 75 from verse 6 to 7. Watch what it says. For promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Verse 7. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. God is the one who promotes people into areas of influences. And he is not promoting people that are materialistic. By materialistic, it simply means people who replace God with material things. If your cell phone is more important than God, you are a materialistic person. If your car is more important than God, how do you know your car is more important than God? You won't do with it what God tells you to do with it. How do you know that your money is more important than God? You won't do with it what God tells you to do with it. How many of you have ever uh, been in a retail shop, in a supermarket, and you're sitting in there, and God prompts you to pay for someone? How many of you, uh, has it ever happened to you? And you know, if you don't act on it, you're actually saying, well, you know, God, I, I need this money. You're not trusting in God. 
You just have to act on it. I remember the one time I was driving from Centurion, and I was praying about paying off my credit card at the time. It was a dumb move. I didn't even need a credit card anyway. So I'm driving back, and God said for me to buy this family uh, groceries. And he told me, I want you to buy them whatever they want. And I was like, whatever they want? He said, yes. So I had to go and call the guy and say, let me to the supermarket. And here's what's awesome about when you obey God's voice in the area of giving. The guy told me he had driven to the other mall, to the bars, and he, was, he had been waiting for me since 2 p.m. Because God had told him someone is going to call you and buy you groceries. It was just awesome. It was phenomenal to know that I'm in God's will. I went in there, man, and I said, God has uh, instructed for me to buy you groceries, and he told me to let you buy whatever you want. And, man, we're walking out after hour, and he's taking everything. He's like, I'm like, man, but you don't need this. It's like, man, I, I haven't had dessert in like two weeks. Let me get some of this ice cream. It's like, man, I'm like, man, I don't even buy stuff like this for myself. And within two weeks, someone had deposited money to pay off my credit card, and I had 15,000 rand extra. Oh, let me tell you something else that's close to home. I think I've shared this testimony with you. I was driving to the gym, and there was a lady parked right in front of me, and uh, she, she, she was stuck. So I asked the, you know, the patrol attendant, why is she stuck? Why is she not moving? I want to get fuel. And he said, Man, the, her card won't work. And I said, so what's, what's the plan? He said, ah, they're waiting for someone from Pretoria now so that she pays. I won't let her go. <laughs> and I said, well, put it on my tab. He said, really? I said, yes. So I swiped that thing, man. And it was only 100 rand. So I swiped that thing, man, and I paid for it. And I came to church. Pastor Trevor will tell you this. For four consecutive weeks, there's a lady who came to this church. She's not even a member of this church. She came every week. She came. She handed to the ladies at the back an envelope with 1,000 rand. And it said on it, Pastor T-Petrol. For 100 rand, I got 4,000 worth of petrol. Man, I'll keep giving. I'll keep giving. That's the only way I know. In fact, when we bought our house, my wife and I, we decided to give away the furniture in our two-bedroom flat. Just in advance, because we were not going to move all that furniture in our new home. So we gave it all away. And when we moved into our new home, we didn't know where the furniture was going to come from. And it was Sunday, 2012. I remember vividly, it was at a conference. And a woman came and approached us and said, God has instructed me to give you everything that you need for your new home. I'm talking about everything. Beds, TVs. I'm talking about it. Washing machine. You name it. She gave it to us. Furniture worth over 300,000 rand came into our house. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, this thing works. All I need to do is to trust God. In fact, I'll be so daring to tell you this. Whenever you see a need, God is speaking to you. Whenever there's a need in your family. Listen, as a child of God, no one in your family has to go through life without school fees. And you are there representing the kingdom. God put you in there for a reason. You should be calling people and say, do you have enough money for fees? Okay, I'll transfer it to you. And some of you are thinking, oh, that's just too much. See, that's the limiter. That's what I'm trying to deal with. How many of you know that God owns everything? And if he does own everything, just trust him. Come into this church. Um, uh, last year, God spoke to us and said we needed to uh, start these worship experiences. So we invited Eric to come and be a part of it and so on and so forth. And when we invited him, it was just phenomenal. We, we paid for his ticket and he came through. And I can tell you he's come three other times, two other times. After the first time, we paid for the ticket. And the only ticket we've paid for him to come and minister here was the first one. We needed to take that step of faith. And tap into God's grace. All of the other money that they've used to come and minister to us has come from somewhere. Someone else gave it. And this time we had about four people. That's about $5,000. Someone else gave it and they bought all the tickets. Man, God is good when you obey Him. Amen? In fact, Eric gave $500 to the trip, this trip, from his personal money. And he called me uh, two weeks ago. 
to give me his testimony. After he gave $500, he went to renew his car license. And they told him, in California, you can't renew uh, uh, your car license if your car is older than 2005. And that would take all our cars. <laughs> Says you can't do it. Or you have to pay uh, a tax, an emissions tax. So he was stuck. And then he just gave $500. And he's looking at God like, but Lord, you knew this was going to happen. Why did you let me give $500 if you knew I was going to need it? And within the same day, 24 hours, he got a call and someone deposited. In fact, someone mailed him a check of $10,000 into his account. He called me at midnight and said, Pastor, I just have to wake you up and tell you this. And now he's driving a new car. What does that tell us? That tells us God gives to give us. It's as simple as that. There is no other way. God ministers seed to people who are givers. And I'm not talking about giving tithes and offerings. It does not stop there. I'm talking about living a lifestyle of giving. Man, when you go out with your friends, you should be the one taking the tab. Not talking about, oh, I don't know where my wallet is. Uh, Do you have any money on you? Man, giving should be your lifestyle. Amen? And when giving is your lifestyle, you will never lack for anything. Let's go to Genesis. Oh man, this is good stuff. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 8, and says, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have abundance for every good work. Genesis chapter number 22, 1 to 14. Watch what it says. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. Next verse. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. Next verse. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took uh, two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and cleft the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. What happened? Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young man, Abide you here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and had a knife, and they both went together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, He said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? It's you. (laughs) And Abraham said, My son, God will provide. And I like Abraham. He's like, God will provide. This should be your attitude. Where is the money for rent? God will provide. This should be your attitude. Amen? says God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. In other words, he's saying God will give me what I need to give. Did you see that? I don't worry about what I need to give. You know why? Because God will provide what I need to give. Man, this is good stuff. So they went both of them together. And when they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. Put yourself in this story. Next verse. And he said, Lay not thy son, that thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, For now I know that you fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Next verse. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket and his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Next verse. And Abraham called that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. God had always been Jehovah-Jireh. He had always been the Lord that sees and provides. But Abraham tapped into that realm of God's provision by stepping out in faith. 
It takes faith for you to give 10% of your income every month. Because if you do it without faith, that's crazy. That's like taking a part of what I've worked hard for. It moves me away from my goals and objectives. It doesn't move me closer, right? Unless you have faith that there is a God and that this God provides, then you can do it knowing that I will not run out. In fact, you open windows and doors for me and pour out a blessing that I will not have room enough to contain. It takes faith. And when you step out in faith, you tap into Jehovah Jireh. Let's go to Luke. Is this helping someone? Luke chapter number 5 from 2 to 7. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter number 5, 2 to 7. Watch what it says. And Jesus saw two sheep standing by the lake by the fishermen, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. So the principle of the kingdom is whatever you give for the purposes of the gospel and preaching of the gospel, there must be a reward. Watch what happened. So Jesus took Simon's boat and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Next verse. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let, out, let down your nest for a catch or a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. In other words, Master, we have been operating at a natural level. Natural level equals toil. Doesn't matter how you look at it. If you operate at a natural level, you're going to toil, you're going to break a sweat, but it will all amount to nothing. It will be like the people in the book of Haggai, they had fat pockets, but the Bible says there were holes in their pockets. So everything they put in their pockets fell off. Hallelujah. And they've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Next verse. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes that their net break. Next verse. And they beckoned, beckoned unto their partners. In other words, they called out unto their partners. They invited others to partake of the blessing. Because they understood that, listen, this blessing is just not for me, myself, and I. This is, this is the problem in the church. Man, we think, we, we have a, a statement back home. People used to walk around saying, you know, Zangu uh, Zaita. You know, I'm, I'm just happy because my business is taken care of. That's not a kingdom mentality. You say, man, they started calling others. Hey, you want fish? Come over here, let me give you some fish. That's the mindset of the kingdom. To touch others. Amen? That they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. Both the ships. It was, if it was some of you, you'd say, man, fill up my boat, okay? And then I'll talk to you later. We'll deal later. And I said, man, take as much as you can. You know why? Because the blessing is in abundance. The resources will never run out. The problem with Africa is a scarcity mindset. You know, I was talking to Yukon and he said, what's the biggest problem in Africa? Is it leadership? I said, no, it's not. It's a scarcity mindset. You know, growing up, uh, they used to, uh, we used to go to the village, to the countryside, and this is how they used to feed us. They would put one big bowl of pap, sadza, and one big bowl of, bowl of uh, 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 beef stew. And then there would be about six boys sitting around it. And say, now it's open season. And it was in the dark. And everyone is just eating, man. It's just eating. And you know what? You have to come up with survival tactics. You know, you take that pub, you go in there, you take two of them. Or three of them. You know what? Because in your mindset, you're thinking, that's what your brother, who's across, is doing. And it's the same mindset we take into government. People are going in there and the only thing they are thinking about is how much can I take from this pot? Not how much can I invest into the community? 
It's the same mindset we take to the kingdom of God. See, this spirit runs all the way through to the pulpit. We have pastors who are thinking, how much can I just take from God's people and never invest anything into their lives? This is why people come, come up with all kinds of schemes and gimmicks to get an offering from people. Man, whenever you hear someone mention a figure to you of exactly how much you must give, run away. The Bible says, let every man give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. He wants you to make that decision. And he wants you to be happy about it while you're doing it. Not for someone else to say, yeah, the ground is fertile right now. Right now, and I'm taking 7,000 rand offerings. Who's got 7,000? Man, that's not from the kingdom of God. The kingdom is a heart issue. Man, this is good teaching. Let me give you four things you should know about money. And then we close. Thank you, Jesus. Number one, money is not evil. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money is not immoral or moral. It is amoral. It takes on the personality of the holder. If money is in the hands of an evil person, it automatically becomes evil money. If it's in the hands of a good person, it's a blessing. Amen? Number two, money is a tool to touch people's lives, not a medium to indulge in every single last one of your desires. The purpose of prosperity is to touch lives, not to be opulent. Amen? How many in here have ever had their children say, Hey, Dad, hey, Mom, I want to go to church today. Please take me to church. Please take me to faith here. Just lift your hand if that's ever happened to you. Because I've had parents come to me and say, Their children go to them and say, Hey, please take me to church. You know why? Because we invest in the children's ministry. How many of you found out about faith here on social media? Just lift your hand. You know why? Because we invest in social media. And that's what money is for. It is to invest in reaching people and touching people's lives. And man, you're looking at a man that has been in ministry for over 12 years. And I worked in ministry over 10 years, 11 years in fact, without taking a dime in salary. Money has never been my motivation to be in ministry. Never been. For the five years, I pastored a church and my wife and I were the biggest partners in that church. You know why? Because we don't do this motivated by money. The only thing that gets us excited to do this even more is the transformed lives we see out of it. You know, when people say, man, I came and my life was messed up and here I am today. And that's what gets me going. And man, I could pick all of you. I could pick some of you. I think Sister E here will tell you, when she started coming to church, man, a few years ago, we used to pick her up all the time. Just pick it up, pick it up, and the kids. And I asked her the one time, I said, what kind of a car would you like God to bless you with? And she said, I'd like for God to bless me with a BMW 1 Series, red in color. And man, I was thinking in my heart, man, could you, couldn't you start with the gets? At least I can believe God for a gets. <laughs> you know? I was limiting God for it, but I didn't say it to her. I was just thinking in my mind, man, we need to start with the city God, okay? Because this is big faith. But today, as we stand on the other side of the horizon, God blessed him with that very same car. And it's red in color. And guess what? She uses it to give people leaves to go to church. And that's awesome. That's awesome. That's what I look at and say, man, let me go back and do it some more. When I look at people's lives, I'm like, man, every Sunday, I'm, I'm, let's go back and do it again. When I see what God is doing through some of you, I'm like, let's go back and do it again. Because the only way to measure success in ministry is by the transformed lives. Amen? I said amen. What number are we on? Number two? Number three. Money competes for your submission at a deity level. Matthew 6.24. I'm about to close. Matthew 6, verse 24. Watch what it says. Matthew chapter number 6 
24. Watch what it says. No man. Someone say no man. And this includes pastors too. See, this spirit will cut right into the pulpit. Amen. No man can serve two masters. The Bible, Jesus is calling money a master. Did you see that? And he's putting money at an equal footing with God on opposite ends. He's saying no man can do it. It does not mean that people won't try. He just said it's impossible, but some will be like, ah, pastor, I'm taking my chances. I'm taking my chance on this one. I'm going to try and save the world. No, you can't. No man can do it. For either you will hate the one and love the other. So automatically, God says, if you love money, you hate me. else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. You cannot. Someone say cannot. No way Jose. It's not going to happen. You can't do it. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. You can't. You can try but you're not going to be successful. Money is a servant. Not a master. In fact, do not let, whenever you let money be the reason you're making certain decisions, 99.99999% of the times, you are wrong. If you're getting married because of money, 99.99999999% you're wrong. Yeah, I'm going to marry Donald Trump because, okay, I didn't say that. Amen. If you're getting a job, so, I'm so glad to be preaching to millennials. They say millennials don't make a decision to take a job offer based on money. But unfortunately, my whole generation, that was the single reason we used to get a, a, a company job or a company offer to accept. It was money. There are many other reasons you should make. If, you, if your reason to get into ministry is money, you are 100% wrong. Money should not be at the top priority of why you're making a decision. God's desire in your heart. Even when it comes to the purposes and the desires God has put in your heart. Man, we chose the school that we wanted our kids to go to. Not based on money. Based on the school that we wanted our kids to go to. And God will provide the money. I mean, I, I grew up in a three house. Okay? My mom was a chef. My dad was a driver. They made a decision that we're going to send this boy to a nice school. The best school in this town. Amen. And they did it. You know why? Because God provides for every need. They didn't make a decision based on the money they had. It was not enough. But God gave them that money somehow. Amen. So today I want to encourage you not to limit yourself based on money. Use money as a tool to touch people's lives. Use money as a way to express your gratitude to God. Use money as a way to show yourself that you trust God and to insulate yourself from serving money. Never make a decision based on the money that you have in your account. Always make a decision based on the grandeur of the dreams that God has placed in your heart. If God says you are to take the world, start dreaming about taking the world and God will give you the money to take over the world and touch people's lives with the gospel. Amen? Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for these, your children. Lord, we thank you that these, your children, will not lack any good thing. Father, we thank you that their hearts are pure. Lord, we thank you that they do not serve the God of money. But Father, that they use money to touch people's lives. Father, we thank you that they will not be controlled by the world of mammon and the world of money. But Father, that they will rule over money and use it to change their communities. Father, we give you praise, we give you glory that these, your children, do not lack any good thing.
Father, we thank you that all of their needs are met according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Those who are going through something, Father, we thank you that you are providing for them right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you, we give you glory, and we give you praise. Father, we thank you that this ministry does not lack any good thing. Lord, we thank you that you're bringing resources from the west, the east, the south, and the north. That we may use them to touch and reach people in this community of four ways. And even in the nation of South Africa and the continent at large. Father, we thank you that we are givers at heart. Lord, we thank you that we walk with our hands open, ready to give to every good thing. Father, we thank you that our hands are not close-fisted. Father, we thank you that we use finances to touch those who are connected to us by blood, our family members. We thank you that we represent the kingdom even in our families. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And there is no lack in heaven, so there shall not be any lack in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, just begin to thank him for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.